Christ is risen. Um, so during the 50 days that we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ, as you can see, we're always greeting each other as Christ is risen. We're saying Christos Anisti in lieu of a lot of hymns, even if the, at a funeral, at a baptism, at a wedding, we always say Christ is risen. And the idea behind this is it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Um, and the very first week of, holy, of, of the Holy 50 Days, we talk about Thomas Sunday, and then we focus on the Eucharist. Um, and the Eucharist is, is a key part of the Holy 50 Days. Um, St. Carlos has this great quote that I want to read to you. He says, just by melting two candles together, you get one piece of wax. So I think one who receives the flesh and blood of Jesus is fused together with him by this communion. And the soul finds that he is in Christ and Christ is in him. So it's a beautiful image. It's like two pieces of, of, of two candles. You melt them down, right? You have one nicely scented candle from Bed Bath & Beyond, right? You take that one and you melt it down with the church candle that doesn't smell. And you, and you put them together and it creates a new candle that smells, that's nice. And that's ultimately what, what God does in us through the Eucharist. He, he melts into us. And today's gospel is a, is a very important one. He says, while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. If anyone hears my voice and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So here, Christ is saying, I am the light of the world. But then somewhere else in the gospel, he says, you are the light of the world. So which is it? Is he the light of the world, or are we the light of the world? And as we start to live with God, as we enter into life with God, we start to absorb his characteristics. We start to become like God. St. Athanasius says, God became man so that man could become God. And so we start to, we talk like Christ does, we think like Christ does, we act like Christ does, we even love like Christ does. And that's ultimately the goal of our lives on earth, the way we should manifest our Christianity is that, you know, this, this saying that the kids have on their bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That ultimately becomes our goal as, as Christians. And this is why we, we study theology. We want to learn about theology because we want to know who this God is that we are to become like. And we see this when, even as parents, we see that when a child is born, right, the mom and the dad are kind of gathered around the child. You know, maybe not in the first week because they all look the same, but after a few weeks, you know, the, the mom will say, well, I, th I think he has my nose. And the dad will say, I think he has my hands. And they're so happy right and why are the parents so happy because the child is in their image right and and this 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 feeling this nature is given to us by god right he wants us to be in his image and it goes further right as we get older and our children start to talk like us and act like us and tell jokes like we would and handle situations the way we would as parents we get very excited right say yeah, that's my boy that's my girl Right? Why am I so proud? Because they're acting like me. So now I've made them, not just in my image when they're born, but through raising them, I've made them in my likeness. Right? And this is the goal of us as Christians. Our Father, 
created us in his image and he wants us to be after his likeness. And that becomes our goal as we move forward. St. Augustine says, a Christian is a mind through which Christ thinks, a heart through which Christ loves, a voice through which Christ speaks, and a hand through which Christ helps. So the Christian becomes the, the manifestation of God. It's the, the visible signs of who God is. The hands, the heart, the mouth, the love, all of these things are Christ kind of funneling through us. And St. Peter says in his epistle, in a very famous quote, he says that, that you may become partakers of the divine nature. So this idea of becoming partakers of divine nature, becoming like God. St. Athanasius has this, this wonderful image, and I want you to think about this image. He says, by analogy, God is to Christians as the sun is to the moon. So think about the sun and the moon. As the sun is the exclusive source of light, so God is the sole source of glory. And as the moon reflects light, so believers reflect God's glory. So when you think about the moon, the moon doesn't have any light, right? It's just a, it's just a rock in space. It, it doesn't have any properties of its own. It just reflects the sun. And in so doing, at night, in the darkness of the world, it gives light. And so even though I can't see the sun, right, because the sun is somewhat behind us, I know the sun is there because I can see the moon. And I know the moon is reflecting the sun. And so I'm called to be the moon. I'm called to reflect God, reflect his glory, so that in the darkness of this world, people who can't see God can see me, can see us. And we become these moons that reflect who God is, his hands, his eyes, his heart, his love, his words. So that, you know, when, when people used to meet Abu Nimshoi Kamil, like the, the, the one who just, who's about to get canonized as a saint back in the 60s, they used to say things like, we didn't know who Jesus was until we met you. And now we know who Jesus is, right? It's like they, they got to see who Christ was in reality. And so this becomes our calling. Abuna, Father Matthew the Poor says, so God created man in his own image so that man should bear witness in himself to God's self. So we were created in the image so that we could bear witness to God in us. And then he continues, he says, once man senses this, believes this, and orients himself towards it, towards the concept that I'm supposed to be this image of God, then he immediately enters into a state of harmony with God. So once, once you're kind of, you know, you can, you can let your breath out and go, what's my point on earth, right? Is it just to make a bunch of money, get a bunch of degrees, mate, eat, and die? If that's the whole point, it's kind of pointless, right? But once you get, I'm, I'm called to be this reflection. I'm called to be the moon. I'm called to be this image of God in the world. Then you get in this harmony with God, like, okay, now I know I'm here. And of course, each of us is called in a different way. No one has the same calling, just as, as there are many fingerprints in the world, there are as many callings. So no one's the same, but we all have something that we're called to do. And St. John Chrysostom has this convicting quote that, that hurts every time I read it. He says, there would be no need for sermons, like the one I'm giving, if our lives were shining. There would be no need for words if we bore witness with our deeds. And then he ends, there would be no more pagans if we were true Christians. So he's saying that's how you want to solve the paganism problem that we have back in the fourth, fifth century. Be true Christians. Live it. Don't talk about it. 
It's not about words. It's not about sermons. It's about deed and life. Be light. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You reflect my light. And so if we're called to be the image of God and we're supposed to be his likeness and we're supposed to be partakers of divine nature and we're supposed to be like two candles that merge together and become one, one of God's characteristics is he's a creator. He creates. Now that one's kind of hard. How do I get my head around I'm supposed to be the image and likeness of God and God's a creator? Well, clearly I don't create things. But God has these, this beautiful characteristic of building up, of transforming of moving from darkness to light, from simple to complex. He moves from evil to good. He builds up. He creates. And we have to take on that characteristic as a Christian, don't we? And most importantly, he turns evil into good. So St. Isaac the Syrian talks about how we manifest this to people. Who are these people to whom we should create and build? Who are the poor and needy of the world? Who do we need to help? Well, obviously we need to help the homeless people, the poor people in Egypt, the, the people who are in the soup kitchen. It's fine. But are there other poor and needy people? Are there other broken people? Are there other people hurting? Yeah. Look around. It's not hard to find someone who needs help. In fact, it's as, as easy as just reach your arm out and touch the person next to you. Right? Everyone, all of us, broken, needy, poor. And so those are the people we have to, to help. And so how do we, 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 we manifest this characteristic of creation, of building up? We have to spread our cloak. St. Isaac the Syrian has this great quote. He, said, quote, quote. he says, spread your cloak over those who fall into sin, each and every one, and shield them. Spread your cloak over those who fall into sin. Now that's kind of the opposite of what we see in the world today. We don't cover people who sin, we expose them, right? We wanna raise awareness to the problems of people who are bad, and we wanna talk about them, and we wanna post about them, and we wanna share about them. I don't know why, maybe it makes us feel better about ourselves, but we do that. We go after everyone, shaming, canceling, attacking, gossiping, bullying, all the things that are happening in the world. And with social media, it's just become faster and more effective. You know, when we take communion, Buna Carlos gave a, a wonderful sermon on, on communion when we first started the Holy 50 Days. When we take communion, two things happen. We become a part of the body of Christ, right? And if I become a part of the body of Christ and someone else becomes a part of the body of Christ, then through transitive property, I become a part of them, don't I? And so we don't just become a part of God and a part of Christ. We become a part of each other. Not in a, not in a sense of like we're a community and we all go to St. Paul's or we're all Coptic or all Christian or all Orthodox or all Egyptian, whatever. No, more than that. Like we become a part of each other cells in the same body and sometimes when we the way we treat each other shows that we don't really understand that concept that we don't understand that you and me we're part of the same body right and and i imagine you know if if someone if if, if someone gets pancreatic cancer right and it's pretty bad can you imagine the brain saying i'm glad i didn't get cancer 
I'm glad the pancreas got the cancer, not me. <laughs> it's impossible, right? This, what gets the pancreas gets the brain, right? And so we're all in this together. We all have each other to carry and lift up one another. And that's all we have. We just have each other. So this wonderful quote by St. Therese of Lisieux, she says, often when we see another soul more enlightened than us, immediately we conclude that Jesus loves us less than this enlightened soul. You know, you see some, the bishop, the priest, the whatever. And then we cannot be called to the same perfection. But then she goes on, I'm a little brush. I love this image. I'm a little brush that Jesus has chosen in order to paint his image in the souls he has entrusted to my care. And so I imagine people around us, she says, souls entrusted to my care are like icons, like this one, right? And the icon isn't finished, but the, the broad strokes are there. But she says, I'm this little brush, and I'm supposed to fill in the gaps. An artist does not only use one brush, but needs several. The first brush is great and useful as it applies the general tints and covers the canvas entirely in a very short time. And that's something like this sermon or something uh, someone would do when giving a talk, right? You talk to 200 people, you say a bunch of things. Some people listen, some people sleep, some people get angry, some people get sad. Right? But then another brush, she says, a much smaller one, he uses for details. God may wish to do a very great work in the soul of his children through others. Yet I may be the very small brush he deigns to use afterward for the smallest details. So when we see each other, we're called to build each other. We're supposed to fine tune the details in each other. I took a class at Axe on icon drawing. I don't know how to draw at all. And so I didn't do anything. I just turned off my camera and just watched on Zoom. But the iconographer, this master iconographer, and these people were learning how to be iconographers. And so they would submit pictures, right? So he would say, okay, you know, do the circle, everybody do the circle. He said, now do the nose, everyone do the nose. And then you would submit your image to, for him to correct, right? For him to look at. So the next week, he'd have all these images, right? And I'd look at him like, these are terrible, right? These people like just should not be iconographers, right? But anyway, so he would look at it and he was, you know, always very kind. And he's like, this is a great start. Good, it's a good beginning. You need more practice. Uh, but I, I like what you're doing here. And I'm just looking at it like, this is horrible. I don't understand what, you know, just kick him out of the class, right? And so he would, right there on Zoom, he would take his pencil and he goes, now see, now if you just did this and he would just do something. And if you put it this over here and if you move the nose just a little and next thing you know, he just touches it and the thing looked good. And I was like, how'd he do that? I would have torn it up, but he didn't. And the reason he could do what he did is because when he looked at it, when I looked at it, I just saw ugly. When he looked at it, he saw what it could be. He saw where it needs to go. And he knew that if you just push a little here and touch a little there, it'll go there. And that's how we have to be with each other. Sometimes we think to ourselves when we see an image of someone, another human being who isn't the image of God, that instead of taking a brush and touching it, that we should take the hammer and hit it. And if we hit the icon enough, eventually the icon will look like Christ. And of course it's silly, but that's what we do to each other, isn't it? When we see someone else who's a sinner, who's bad, who's not as good as we are, who doesn't do the things we do, what do we do? Take an, a hammer and we hit at them. All right, we teach them they're wrong. We let them know what's truth. 
We shame them. We attack them. We judge them. Because this is how we make real good Christians. And it's not the right approach. And this is what we saw in the story of the Samaritan woman. You know, um, sometimes when my kids were little, they would mess up really bad, like do something really dumb. And then they would come and tell me. And they're telling me this story, and you're like, oh, my God, you're so stupid, right? And they do this, they messed up, and then I did this, and then I try to cover it by doing this, and then I messed it up in that, so then I did that, and you're just like, holy moly, right? But then at the end, I'm trying to find something good to say, and the best I can come up with is, well, thank you for being honest with me, right? That's really the, the default parent's line, right? Well, thank you for being honest with me, right? You, whatever, right? And when we look at the story of the Samaritan woman last week, that's exactly what Jesus did, wasn't it? She's telling them all, you know, it's, she's, she's a mess, right? She, her life is a train wreck. And the best thing he can, and he just looks at her and he says, well, thank you for being honest. And she lights up. He found the one good thing in her and he called it out. I want to read you a quote by Metropolitan Anthony Bloom. He says, unless we look at a person and see the beauty there is in this person, we can contribute nothing to him. So unless you see your neighbor and see beauty in your neighbor, you can contribute nothing. I would go further, this is not in the quote, I would go further and say, don't even try. If you see someone and you see them as ugly, just walk the other way because you can contribute nothing to them. One does not help a person by discerning what is wrong, what is ugly, what is distorted. Christ looked at everyone he met, at the prostitute, at the thief, and saw the beauty hidden there. Reminds me of this iconographer. Perhaps it was distorted, perhaps damaged, but it was beauty nonetheless. And what he did was call out this beauty. And this is how we have to approach one another as Christians. Isn't this what Christ does? He finds the one possible beautiful thing in everyone and he calls it out so how do we build up people around us one of the beautiful things about God is he turns evil into good he can do that Abuna Andrew last week said some very nice stuff about difficulties shaping us and that we shouldn't ask why that we should just let the difficulties shape us without saying God why are you doing this just let it be why not why can't we ask? Because God can t turn evil into good, can't he? He can turn evil into good. And so when something befalls me, it's not my place to ask because it could be good. I just don't know. And St. Paul in Romans says, don't, do not be overcome by evil, but return good for evil. And so this ultimately is the, the best way for us to build. We receive evil from one another, from our children, from our spouses, from our boss, from our whatever, and we convert it into good. We create something. And so the question is, is this a commandment? Is it, are you supposed to, when someone does evil to you, say, I can't, I, I should return good for evil? Or is it a measure? Is God telling us this is how you're what you're supposed to do. Or is he saying, I'm like this? Is God talking to us or is he talking about himself? It's kind of like when someone has a fever and 
you see the fever and you say, wow, we have a big problem, we have a fever. Well, that's not the problem, right? The problem is the virus. The problem is whatever's inside that's creating the fever. The fever is just a symptom, right? And so when we look at these commandments of God, are they the thing we're supposed to manage or are they just the outcomes? So when I find myself, for example, returning evil for evil, I have to ask myself, did the two candles become one candle? Am I the moon reflecting the sun? Am I a partaker in the divine nature? Am I a brush that's building another person? Or am I a hammer that's destroying? Why am I not acting like my father? Why am I not talking like my dad? Why am I not acting like a partaker of divine nature? Why aren't his characteristics rubbing off on me? I'm in the same house, I go take communion. Why aren't his characteristics rubbing off on me? So I'll end and say, the fathers tell us that the, the, the path is very long, but we have to take very small steps. Every time you take a small step, you get closer. You know the old Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So Christianity isn't about big leaps. It isn't about, I completely changed my life. It's about small steps. It's about every time you want to respond with evil, you say, I'm going to smile this time. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to hate. I'm not going to gossip. Little baby steps. Those are the only ones that work. If you try to go too big too soon, it never works. A smile, a prayer, holding someone's hand, staying up with them. This is where Christianity really finds its place. And you can imagine what the walk was like of the, of the widow who is going to give the two mites. Can you imagine what Satan did to her on that walk? She's walking to the temple. She has two little mites that are worthless. And she says, I'm going to give these to God. What do you think Satan did to her? What do you think that walk was like? It was probably... You, you know, why are you even doing this? You're wasting your time. This is stupid. Who, you know, you, you can't buy anything with two mites. They need to buy gold for the temple. You know, you're going to embarrass yourself. If the, if the rabbi sees you, he's going to yell at you. I'm sure Satan was just filling her head with why those two mites are not going to make a difference. The whole walk. And that's the same talk we get. What difference is it going to make? What's the big deal? But he's, the lie he was telling her was that God measures the way man measures. And God doesn't measure the way, God man, the way man measures. God saw her heart and he loved. And when you do that little thing, that little smile, that little I'm going to hold back that, s that comment instead of taking the shot, that's where God is. And that's where God blesses. Did I skip to the path of the person? Yeah. So... After I finished my sermon today, preparing it, I decided to look at some of the other readings. And uh, the church puts all the readings together for a reason. And of course, after I finished, I read the Catholic epistle, and I realized that if you had just listened to the Catholic epistle today, you wouldn't have to have listened to the sermon. Because the Catholic epistle is exactly what I should have said better. Dear friends, and I'll read it to you from the screen that might have just. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love 
does not know God, for God is love. And in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. If this is love, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. I can't say that word now. That's it. For our sins. You try saying that word in front of 200 people. Beloved, if God so loved us, we, al we also ought to love one another. And I'll end there. Glory be to God forever. Amen.